it's time to play another game of Are You Smarter Than a Hockey Podcaster? The series are in full swing. There have been a couple of series that have been very, very surprising. And there are series like Washington, Florida that are just making me very, very mad. We'll uncover what's happened so far and we try to predict what might happen next. Episode 319 of the Lace Em Up Podcast starts right now. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. And welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Duboff. Brett, do you want to start off with the series that's the most entertaining, or do you want to start off with the series that's the most aggravating for any uh, bracketeers out there? By that, I mean Florida, Washington. Well, technically, that is the most entertaining. Oh, I guess, I don't know. I guess the Rangers, Penguins one. Pittsburgh Rangers is the most entertaining. Yeah. And Toronto Tampa's right up there, too. Uh, Dallas and Calgary and Carolina Boston have been low-key pretty entertaining, yeah. too. Um, in, in their own way, them. everything's yeah. been low-key pretty good, except Colorado-Nashville, which is and, and Edmonton, uh, now that they've started to figure things out. But yes. Yeah, uh, now that their offense is alive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, now, now that, uh, yeah. But I, I guess there's always that case of Mike Smith doing Mike Smith things. Um, so... Yes, let's, uh, well, I was going to go by, um, actually, we're, we're going to start off with the Atlantic like we usually do, and then we'll go to the Metro, then we'll go to the Central, and then we'll do the Western Conference, and so, the, of course, that means that the first team, uh, the first series, just so happens to be Florida-Washington, so <laughs> that's going to be the first thing that we're going to talk about, um, so, um, yeah, this, this um, and by the way, we're just going to go over all eight series. Um, we don't want to recap everything, but we'll probably mention just what stood out to us um, and, and things of that nature. Um, but we won't, um, and, and then we'll, we'll, I have a look at what we predicted last week, and, um, and then we'll probably be able to, um, you know, change our pick, or we'll quote-unquote change our pick if we have to. Um, so, uh, I, I have a feeling that we kind of have to change our pick for this one, uh, Florida, Washington, because Washington leads 2-1. We both picked Florida in five, so that means that Florida, uh, so our predictions are already wrong. Um, and yeah, it's, it's kind of incredible. It's, it's interesting too, just because from the standpoint that, um, that like you know, I, I think for a couple of these series, like the Pittsburgh Washington, uh, Pittsburgh uh, Rangers, um, even, um, even like the Edmonton LA for a bit. Um, although I guess that one doesn't really count either. But I, I think the better example of the of the this what I'm about to explain is Florida Washington and Pittsburgh um, Rangers. Is that like Washington the underdog has. Um, has more playoff experience. They've been uh, through this and uh, for about like a decade um, of, of doing this. Whereas Florida and the Rangers, yes, they're the hottest team in the world um, and they, they could very well win the cup, but this is like their first rodeo. They're still a relatively young team. 
So it, it like, you know, in hindsight, it does make sense that like Washington is giving Florida trouble and Pittsburgh is giving the Rangers trouble just because like the Pittsburgh and, and Washington have been through this. They've, they've done this all. Um, and, um, and that's just something that you can't really teach until you've lived it. So like, um, if Washington, we'll, we'll stick with this series right now. If Washington ends up doing this and beating Florida, um, it will primarily be because they are, you know, they have more experience than, uh, Florida does. Um, what's interest, the most interesting thing about this though is that like I'll just take game three for instance, um, like so uh, Washington ended up winning um, six to one, and like throughout the whole season we kept on thinking like okay Florida is gonna come back like Florida has come back numerous times with a vengeance, they've always been able to come back, and um, it doesn't even matter how big the lead is. Uh, they've always been able to do that. But I guess when it's like the playoffs and, you know, Alex Ovechkin's on the other end, it's harder to do that. It's like, you know, I'm trying to, like, it's not like Florida's playing, like, the New Jersey Devils, which is what they've done before, or, like, even the Buffalo Sabres or coming back from behind from Detroit. Like, those are bad teams. And um, Washington, yes, they're they're probably around average right now. But, like, still, they, of course, they've, you know, we shouldn't be, like, besmirking them. Um, what I found also very interesting is Ilya Samsonov um, has a .75 GAA and a save percentage of 979. Uh, that's, that's kind of absurd. Um, I guess the good news for Washington is, is that he's bound to break up uh, pretty soon because I don't think he's going to be that hot. Uh, for the rest of the playoffs, but I guess anything's possible in the playoffs. Um, but uh, but that's a big reason too. Also, uh, Ovechkin, who had like missed most of the last week of the playoffs or the last two weeks of the regular season, has come back. Um, he only has one goal, but which is his specialty, of course. But uh, he has three assists, and of course, Nicholas Backstrom has four points in three games as well. He's one of the more underrated players in the league, of course, because um, I think Ovechkin always gets the shine, as he should, but Backstrom is equally as good. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's, you know, I, I think I'll, I'll take it up to you, because I just said a couple things here. But, um, you know, I, I think, like, I, I had a feeling that Florida was not going to make it so far just because of their goaltending, you can't really trust Bobrovsky in the postseason. But, but uh, I I did think that they had enough to beat Washington, or make it like an easier series on them. Um, and it has not been that case right now. And Bobrovsky is true uh, proving what I've been saying, but just in a different way, <laughs> the opposite way. Um, and he's, you know, he's turned into a pumpkin all of a sudden. Um, he has a 303 GAA and a save percentage of 904. Of course, that's not terrible, but that's not great either, of course. Um, so, so that needs to be better. I have a prediction that I think Spencer Knight's going to play game four. Um, I think that that has to be the move. 
Yeah, I th- I'd be willing to take you up on that uh, prediction there. Uh, getting back to your point about Alex Ovechkin, it should be noted that uh, Tom Wilson um, has been hurt for a portion of the series. There are rumors speculating he may be out for the rest of the series due to a knee injury. And we talked about Alex Ovechkin. The, the key thing to know about Alex Ovechkin is through games one and two, he had a combined nine shots and scored on none of them. And he got a goal on three shots in game three. And not only that, but in Tom Wilson's absence, he basically injected the Capitals with some early momentum because he went out and just hit bodies. Like, that's that's the experience. You talk about the experience, you're talking about star players that are physically giving it their all right off the bat to energize the team. And that, I think, is what Florida is missing. They, they need a bit more intensity in their game. And to be perfectly honest, I don't think they're taking the Washington Capitals seriously enough. Yeah. Like, you saw Florida play against Tampa Bay, and they looked like they belonged in that series. And all of a sudden, you've got a Washington Capitals team that, yes, they got 100 points, but they have nowhere near the depth from a statistical standpoint that Florida does. This should be a very winnable series for the Florida Panthers. And instead... The Florida Panthers have scored a combined three, Brett, three goals over their two losses. Three total goals in that span. The other five goals they were able to get uh, in a decisive uh, game two win. So they better have that kind of fight in game four, regardless of who is in net for them. Just taking a look at some of their depth guys. Carter Verhage, who leads the team with three points in three games, he has a goal on five shots. Mm -hmm. Granted, he's only averaged... 1342 of ice time so there's only so much uh there's only so many opportunities you can get with that kind of ice time claude drew who's averaged 1530 taken two shots to his credit he scored on one of them so that's good jonathan huberto one goal on 10 shots alexander barkov one goal on 11 shots both those guys averaging just over 19 minutes a game aaron ekblad a goal on five shots mind you you're not expecting the defenseman to score goals so yeah. I would consider that fairly good. Radko Gudis, um, I mean, he's got two assists in three games, not known for really scoring goals, but he's a plus two there. Duclair hasn't taken a shot in this series, and he's averaged 13.05. Uh, you have the likes of Sam Bennett, a goal on four shots with about 15.30 averaged over those three games. Yeah. Mason Marchman, a goal in three games. He's taken nine shots, averaged less than Sam Bennett. Anton Lundell. One goal on two shots, averaged 14 minutes a game. Sam Reinhart, one of the guys they brought in the offseason, zero goals, nine shots, 18.41 average per game. Those guys, if you get a handful of them going, the Florida Panthers are the team to beat in this series. They haven't taken the Washington Capitals seriously enough, and they're paying the price for it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Barkov and Huberdeau have to get going. Um in order for Florida to even have a chance. I mean, of course, that's like, that's like, <laughs> that's like saying water is wet, but, um, but I think that that's the big thing. And like, yes, you get, like, you go out and get Sam Reinhart, um, in the off season, you, you pick up Sam Bennett also, um, you know, in the previous trade deadline, and then you go out and get, uh, Claude Giroux and pay a hefty price for him. And then, um, yeah, and then you get nothing uh, to show for it when it really matters. Um, you also have to take into account that, like, this team also didn't have, uh, like, it, it had John Quenville at the start of the year. Uh, John Quenville uh, resigned. 
Um, and then, um, and then the uh, what's it? Andrew Burnett is the new coach now. Um, and and to Andrew Burnett's credit, he did manage to like you know win win a lot of games with Florida. Um, even though it was like you know it's a tr- tricky situation for him. Um, and um, you know I, I think a bigger difference is that Quenville knows how to win in the playoffs. And Andrew Burnett, this is his first time pl- uh, coaching. So I, I do wonder if that has another factor as well, um, just like coaching in the playoffs. But um, but yeah, it's time will tell. Um, so as I mentioned, oh, I, I guess I should also say that because um, you mentioned Aaron Ekblad, who has a goal and an assist in three games. This is his like first ga- um, couple of games back. So uh Kudos for him. So even like two points in three games um, is is nice to see because the last time he played was a month ago. So so that's nice to yeah, see. Art, you could yeah. argue that he's their best player right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and they need him. Uh, so uh, as I mentioned, uh, we both picked Florida in five. Uh, that literally can't happen. Uh, do you want what what is your new prediction now? Um. Because Florida's not making it easy on themselves, I still think they're going to win this series, but I'm feeling it's going to take seven games to do it. And um, I don't like their chances at all if their power play also remains cold. The one thing I forgot to mention, Brett, they're 0 for 9 in the playoffs. Even the Calgary Flames, who have struggled to score goals against Dallas all of a sudden, are 1 for 12. So even they have a power play goal. Florida has zero. That's got to change. Yeah, yeah. Um... No, that that's that's definitely true. I yeah, I think I don't know. I wanna I, I feel bad for second doubting like third I guess this is third doubting Washington again. Because uh, there is like there is I don't know, like I, I feel like there like maybe uh Jordan Biddington has kind of changed my whole mind in twenty nineteen where it's just like, okay, all you really need is a goalie to get hot. Um, so I don't want to discredit Samsonov and that he can keep this going, um, at least for this series. Um, but on the other hand, I have seen Florida like come back from worse, uh, just in, like even, well, I guess that's literally impossible. They, this is the worst scenario for them, but, um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know, like, when, like, you know, Florida has come back from behind. I just don't know if they can do it, like, when it's the playoffs um, and they're playing against a pretty good team. Um, and, yeah, I think you're right. I think they overestimated or underestimated Washington, this Washington team. Um, and I think everyone underestimated Washington. Um, so, so now I'm wondering if, like, um, now that they have estimated Washington – um, or now that they're taking them more seriously, which they should, um, if they haven't, then they don't deserve to go on to the next round. Um, and, um, yeah, I am wondering if that's going to be like a thing. I, um, I guess I'll, I'll say Florida and six just cause you're saying Florida and seven, but, um, but, uh, I don't know. I, <laughs> I feel like I, I don't know what to really think. I guess. Um, all right, so now we move on to the Toronto-Tampa Bay series. Um, and Toronto leads this uh, this series 2-1. Uh, to one. 
Um, so that that's been uh, it's been kind of an interesting series. I think that's it's been reaching the height that we've managed because it's you know it, it doesn't feel like whenever Toronto's ahead, it, it always feels like Tampa can come right back and the same you know and vice versa. So that's like an indicator of a good series. Um, of course, Mitchell Marner. Um, is scoring now, which is kind of crazy in the playoffs, because uh, usually he he's been known to not score in the playoffs. Um, although you know, I guess every now and then when he was playing Boston, uh, he would he would have ridiculous games. But uh, he's been um, crazy good, uh, six points in three games, um, and then Matthews, of course, has been great, uh, five points in three games. Um, yeah, I guess they, you know, we, you had mentioned before that they may miss the absence of, um, of, uh, uh, Michael Bunting, but, uh, they've, they've, they've managed to get, uh, some help from Ilya Mikheyev, uh, Pierre Engvall, um, even like Andre Cache has been there. Your player to watch, Alexander Kerfoot, has only had one goal in three games, so maybe not so much, but, um, you know, I have, I, I think it is interesting that, like, a lot of these, uh, like, you know, the depth scoring has been pretty, a uh, pretty solid, although William Nylander hasn't scored at all, he hasn't even had an assist yet, so that's something to look out for, because I'm sure uh, Toronto media has definitely noticed that, um, and, um, yeah, if, if Toronto somehow blows this series, which is definitely possible, then, um, then they'll, and, and Nylander continues to struggle, I would imagine uh, that would be enough to uh, trade Nylander out this offseason. Um, as for the Tampa Bay Lightning, they haven't been uh, terrible either. Uh, Victor Hedman, of course, has four points. Uh, Kucherov has three points. Um, and Killorn has two points. Um, Steven Stamkos, I, I thought he was going to be like the key to the whole series, but... Yeah, he only has one assist in these three games. I feel like he needs to pick it up. Uh, same with Anthony Sorelli. He's another underrated player. Um, but, yeah, he has zero points in these three games. So, um, so yeah, I, I think if, if Tampa is going to come back, I think it will have to be because of, like, Stamkos and Sorelli uh, are, like, picked it up somehow. Um, but I don't know. Um, what is interesting, too, is that, like, Vasilevsky has looked human. Um, and for a time, we, you know, like, you know, usually Vasilevsky has been able to handle these playoffs. And, um, and yeah, it's, he hasn't looked so great. He has a sub-900 save percentage, 890 to be exact, and a 3.72 GAA. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's, um, it is interesting. Um that uh, that Toronto is able to do this, but of course it's like Toronto. Like Toronto is a really good team, but what it sets them what needs to set them apart from a good, a really good team to a great team is finishing. And like you know, they have two more games to to win, and we'll see how that goes. Um, before I pick it up to you, um, Toronto and Tampa play at 7 p.m. We're recording this at 5.30 right now, so just keep that in mind uh, that we don't have Game 4, or, uh, sorry, uh, yeah, Game 4 um, for um, 
you know, what's what's yeah, going to happen. We so. don't have the results for yeah. the game that will determine the outlook of this series. Right. It'll either be three-one Toronto or uh, tied at two, going back right. to. Uh, Scotiabank Arena in Toronto yeah. by the time you're listening to this. So so keep that in mind. Uh, but uh, but yeah, so we're just talking about what's happened in Game 3, Game 2, and Game 1. Um, all right. Yeah. So with that clarity, <laughs> what do you have on the series? Well, honestly, Toronto couldn't have started off better if they tried. Honestly, Game 1, I've never seen a more complete game by the Maple Leafs in the playoffs in what seemed like an eternity. Um Right, right off the word go, maybe there was that five-minute penalty. That was the main chance in life that Tampa could have had to kind of break the game open in their favor. But Toronto was able to kill it off. And once their offense got going, they didn't look back. They kept up the pressure. Um, I've never seen Corey Perry so triggered in, in a playoff game. Yeah. The dude was going after Wayne Simmons in a game that was already out of reach in the third period. And Simmons wanted no part of it. And, and Corey Perry was just absolutely livid. Patrick Maroon looked pretty rattled as well. Um, everyone in Tampa looked out of sorts. And Toronto was, I can't believe very few teams have tried to do this lately. They actually got in Vasilevsky's way and kind of made it difficult for him to track the puck. What a weird concept. If you get in front of a goalie and he can't see it, he can't really do much to stop it. And that 4 nothing goal by Mitch Marner in Game 1 is a grade-A example of how you go to the net, get in the goalie's face legally, and turning that into a goal for, for your team. Yeah. That being said, I expected Tampa to respond in Game 2, and they did. Uh, Wayne Simmons, who uh, was known for agitating Corey Perry in Game 1, uh, took a pair of dumb penalties, uh, which cost the team... And uh, it's Tampa Bay that goes out in front. Of course, Toronto uh, tries to rally late, but uh, they can't get it done, and they lose 5-3. And um, the, the parade of stupid penalties continued in Game 3. This time it was Tampa taking the majority of them. Uh, as you heard at the end of Game 3, John Cooper not overly thrilled by the amount of penalties that his team was taking because, surprise, they were proving costly. And um, while it looked like the Leafs were out shooting the lightning for most of the game. Tampa was starting to wake up in the third period, and that's when Jack Campbell decided, hey, Andre Vasilevsky is good, but watch me do this. Right. And he helps the Leafs win game three, without a shadow of a doubt, because while the score was 5-2, the 4-2 and the 5-2 goals occurred in the final minutes, and both were empty netters. So it was essentially a one-goal game towards the end, and Campbell had to be sharp there. So... If you ask me what happens next, um, the team that gets ahead in game four early on is going to win this game, and both teams have got to play smart. Um, if they don't count, if they don't cut down on the dumb penalties, ultimately uh, the team that's going to take the most of those is going to be put in a tough position. I think game four is huge for Toronto if they get the win. Going into Tampa with a series 1-1 draw, they get both games in Tampa. Then they get not one, not two, but potentially three chances to close it out. And two of those three are in front of their fans in their home building. What an opportunity that would be for Toronto to get it done. Again, it's Tampa Bay. You can't count them out of any series. But you have home crowd on your side at that point. That fan base is hungry. That team looks hungry. Game four is theirs for the taking. And if I'm the Maple Leafs, 
Um, I don't give Tampa a second chance at life because if, if they take game four, all of a sudden now it's a best of three going back into Toronto, and at that point it's anyone series. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we both picked Toronto in seven. I'm, I'm going to yeah. keep mine. I, I imagine because I, I think Tampa is still, like, I, I don't want to, like, uh, say that, uh, like, Tampa can't can't come back from this, but um, – but yeah, I, I'm still going to keep Toronto in seven. I assume you're also going to keep Toronto in seven. I'm going to keep Toronto in seven. I'm also going to point out two players. Uh, you mentioned Stamkos is struggling, uh, but Braden Point only has a goal on 12 yeah, shots, and he's also too. minus five. Yeah. Uh, another big star that kind of needs to pick it up. One guy that hasn't necessarily been a big star for the Toronto Maple Leafs, but has emerged with some key moments in the three games played so far, David Camp. Yeah, he scored two goals on five shots, and both have been big goals. He's also a plus four. So uh, I've liked what I've seen from David Camp in this series, considering he was considered in the offseason to be a depth addition for this Maple Leaf squad. He's proven to be more than just that in, in, in the series so far. Yeah, yeah, he's been good. Um, okay, uh, so now we go to the Carolina-Boston series. Um I, I do have a lot of stuff on here, of course, but uh, not not because I'm a fan of the of of the Bruins, but uh, because it's been a pretty exciting series. Um, so the series is tied two two. Uh, so the first thing I have on the docket here is that uh, in a uh, in game, I think it was game two, um, Hasternak uh, rushed into uh, anti anti Ranta. Um, and Ranta had to, was forced to leave the game and then he, um, he goes to the bench. Um, and I thought it was in unintentional, but apparently there's a lot of Bruins haters on, uh, on Twitter and they thought that, uh, it was intentional. Um, and, uh, I don't, I don't see it. Uh, but like, I, I actually, I take that back. I do see it kind of, but it did look like. Pasternak was you can, trying. You can see why some people yeah. would perceive it as an yeah, intentional. because what happened was I'm trying to describe it the best way I can. But what happened was there was a puck behind the net. Pasternak was trying to get to the puck uh, to avoid the icing, um, and then he realized that he wasn't going to do that. And then all of a sudden, like he just lost track of his skating, and then and then you could see him kind of pull away, but it wasn't enough where he ended up uh, getting into it with uh, Ranta. Um, and, and yeah, then all hell exploded. Because uh, then after that call, it started to, um, like, you know, there was just a bunch of chippiness throughout the whole thing. Uh, Hampus Lindholm gets hit. It was pretty clean. Uh, credit to Shveshnikov. It was a clean hit, but it was a very, very hard hit. Knocked Hampus Lindholm out. I would be shocked if we see him in this series, even if it does go to seven. Um, he was hit very, very hard. Um, but that, that's a that's a big blow for the Bruins because we just got him back. Um, but uh, but yeah, that was that was a big uh, a big hit and also another like momentum changer. And then um, and then in the third period when this game was pretty much over, um, Kochetkov and Marshawn go at it. Um, it seemed like Kochetkov, um, so he Kochetkov was the guy who was in place of Antiranta 
Frederick Anderson yeah, still maybe injured. Should, uh, yeah. mention that Freddie Anderson has not played a minute yeah. in this series because Sorry. he's also hurt. Right, right. I thought I mentioned that Freddie Anderson was injured um, um, last week. I know week, for sure but... the last episode, or I might have just dozed off and yeah. didn't hear you, but yeah, let me reiterate. Freddie Anderson is also injured. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I, I, I'm, <laughs> I should have explained that Kochekov yeah. uh, took took over for Ranta. Um, and then um, and then it seemed like what what happened was like Kochekov and Marshawn were going at it, and then all of a sudden Kochekov goes out of his crease to talk back to Marshawn, and then he kind of like hits him, and, uh, hits Marshawn, and then Marshawn, uh, of course, uh, 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 slashes uh, Kochekov, and of course the refs see it, um, and not what uh, Kochekov does. Uh, Marshawn, of course, gets fined uh, $5,000, uh, Kochikov gets nothing, which is absurd, but whatever, that's just the way it goes. Uh, the league hates Marshawn. Um, that's like nothing to see I here. Wonder, I wonder yeah. if the secrets of events, how they were playing out yeah. in Brendan Moore's head, just yeah. thinking, not. okay, please don't let me go to the e-bug again. Please, not now. <laughs> right. We were moments. <laughs> I yeah, can't the fourth stringer already. Right, right, right. But like, I, I think the thing is, is that like, like what, like even more absurd is like when I've, been on Twitter or when I've been talking with my friends who aren't Bruins fans, they like, I, I think they, there's like a buy, like, I know that I'm going to sound like a conspiracy theorist and it's not warrant. It's like, it is warranted. So I, I get it. Like everyone hates Marshawn if he's not on your team, but like there were so many people who like said that Marshawn like shouldn't have done that or shouldn't have slashed Kochetkov, and they were saying like, "Oh, he's like an innocent goalie." I get that he's a he's a goalie, but he was out of the crease, and he started the whole thing. Like he instigated the thing. It's just like that. That part like uh, just bothers me. That even like the fact that like like they should be finding Kochetkov. Like he he was like instigating the whole thing. He knew what he was doing. Um, it's just that that part was absurd to me. Uh, but I I I really think that like. I don't know. It's insane. Like, like I guess the Bruins just have like a inferiority, or, or our fans have like an inferiority complex, where it's just like we're, like, just why can't like people see it our way? It's like it's absurd that Kachekov was able to like he was clearly trying to um, ignite Marshawn and rile him up, and it worked. But like Kachekov isn't like this innocent bystander. Um, and yes, I know he's a goalie and all that stuff, but it, that, that part was absurd that he should be fined. Um, but whatever, I, I, I think it's, it's, I'm more like unleashing my anger towards this situation when in reality, I was more annoyed with the fact that we couldn't score anything all of a sudden, um, in, uh, in game two and game one, when it's like Freddie Anderson's not playing, he's injured and, uh, and then you have this like backup Kochekov and like Omar, he's been good. He was good, but he wasn't like, uh, we should have been starting Swayman at the start. Um, just cause I feel like Swayman has been better than, uh, Omar has been not that Omar has been bad, but, and then I just, uh, like, you know, it's just, it's just upsetting when you, when you see that. Um, so it should be noteworthy. I just want to point this out, Brett. Um, in, in terms of the us against the world Boston mentality, yeah. the Bruins have uh, killed off 20 of 22 yeah. Carolina power plays. Yep. 
the Bruins have scored five times on the same amount of power plays. Yeah. So in a roundabout way, the equal amount of penalties have been called against yeah. these two. Well, it, and, and I guess that's the other part of the frustration, too, is that like, our power play is not doing so hot. <laughs> it's just, it's not it's not good. Um, I mean, it was, it was decent today, uh, game four, but like game three, game two, and game one, uh, yeah, the Bruins couldn't get anything started on the power play. Um, but, uh, but the good news is on game three, uh, Swayman does start. And not only that, but the, um, I, I refuse to call them the perfection line. I, I know that everyone calls them the perfection line. I, I refuse to call them, call them that. Uh, but the Bergeron. You call them the semi-perfection line. That's why. Well, it's, it's no line can ever be perfect. Right. Well, it's, it's more because it's like, yeah, I mean, in a way that is true. It's like, because I think it was called the perfection line because Marshawn wears 63, um, uh, Bergeron wears 37, and that, like, equals 100. But then it's like, you have to factor in uh, Pasternak there. So, like, it all, like, all their numbers equal 188. <laughs> like that's that, that's not a perfection line that's just a 188 line that would be fine with um but uh yeah th- so that that part's a little bit strange but anyways they're back together now um in, in game three um and that that seemed to be a bigger difference um i don't love the, the fact that like the like i think one of the cool things about the fact that pasternak was on hall and hall is lying was that, yes, it's like, you know, they're not as good as the other line, or the, the, the better line, but uh, at least, like, the biggest weakness that the Bruins had or a big thing to pay attention to was, like, you would only, like, you know, um, we were a one-line team, so then when you put uh, Pasternak on the second line, it kind of, like, negates that whole thing. It's where it's like, okay, you like, if you can stop Bergeron and Marshawn, fine but you have to worry about Hall and Pasternak um on the second line but um so so that part's going to be a little bit tricky but at the same time like this has been the first time that those three have been together uh this whole season um and they've looked the part um and uh yeah so the Bruins ended up winning game three um so that was a a nice win of course um and then in game four, uh, which just happened, McAvoy uh, gets, uh, he he just gets COVID. Um, he gets put on the COVID protocol like 30 minutes before the game starts. Um, and I I was thinking like, okay, this just just, just means that Carolina's probably going to win in, in five games um, and, and all that stuff. But it's a good thing. It's a, uh, That's probably the reason why I'm not on the Bruins because... Um, because, uh, like, I would be giving up, and the Bruins just didn't give up. So uh, they uh, – and it was a good thing that Swayman was in and the perfection line – I guess I call, I'm going to call them the perfection line um, – are, are back together because it was uh, – yeah, the, the Bruins ended up winning that game. I had I uh, thought that they weren't going to win, but, um, but because, you know, you don't have your, uh, your two best defensemen um, and – and all that stuff, and as good as Swayman has been, um, I don't know if he can like you know carry on with that. Um, and and yeah, so it was nice. Uh, there was also like uh, a nice goal from uh, Marshawn to Pasternak uh, that Bergeron 
uh, did from the face-off dot. So it's like the, it was the perfect encapsulation of what the the 188 line does. Um, and then um, oh, there was also another part where um, so Carolina um, was on a power or Bruins were on a power play. Um, and, uh, and they also like somehow score on a power play. Um, as I was mentioning, like our power play is all of a sudden working from Jake DeBrusque and it, like, there was maybe some incidental contact on it, but like it, like if you just see a replay, you're like, okay, that's not interference. But anyways, uh, Rod Brindermore, uh, calls a challenge on it just to like, to make sure uh, he later said that he bet his he would bet his life on that it was an interference. Uh, turns out that I guess he's dead because because uh, it wasn't an interference call when they did the challenge, and uh, they put the Bruins back on on the ch on the uh, on on the power play because that's what happens when you lose a challenge, and uh, and then incidentally, uh, Sebastian Ajo high sticks uh, Bergeron and Bergeron bleeds. Um, so that's like another five minute thing. Um, so uh, it's, uh, that's a double murder, isn't it? Yeah, it's a double. Unless oh yeah. Unless it's very, very like egregious. Oh, like, oh yeah. He was like bleeding. Just, like a uh, high stick that causes well, bleeding. Like, so, it's like a, yeah. If it's a hard whack on the face. Of, like, oh no, no, it was, it, it was, it was, it was pretty bad, but like he was bleeding immediately. But what was crazy about that part was that, uh, Carolina was, like, you know, the Bruins were already on a power play at the time. Yeah. So was, um, but, yeah, he was bleeding a lot. Um, and then, uh, but it wasn't so bad where Bergeron had, like, he did end up leaving. But uh, be, but only because he had to. You could see that he wanted to get back on the ice. But, like, the rest were just saying, like, sorry, you can't you can't go on the ice. Yeah. That, that, yeah. that rule, like, there's no yeah. debating that. It's like, but, yeah. you got to go off for so, so like it was it was a good win for the Bruins um, in Game Four, but um, but I think it was, for the most part it was because Carolina was just being careless with their penalties and those two um, those two penalties um, or those two instances um, made the whole difference because then all of a sudden and Marshawn had five points today, so uh, that also helps as well. Um, Anyways, I'm, I'm going too long. I did promise that I wouldn't do a recap of the series, and I did. But uh, but anyways, I, I said the Bruins were going to win in seven. I, I, like I, I am less excited about the fact that we won't have... I guess the way that it works with the COVID protocol is that you have to go five days without um, any symptoms. Um, so like if, if McAvoy can do that, that would just mean that uh, we get McAvoy back for game seven if there is a game seven. Um, and I, you know, that that's not easy to, to say. Um, I'm just, you know, at this point, I like, we do need McAvoy back. Um, and I just, I just hope that the Bruins have some fight in these next two games. Um, and, um, and so I'll, I'll just be happy with that. Of course, this will probably be the end of the time, the, the core being together, because I think this is the last time that the Bruins will be competitive for a while. But, um, but I still have faith in them. I'm still picking, going with Boston in seven. I believe you have Carolina in seven. Oh, right, Carolina in I six. Am, I have in six, but I'm going to change it to seven because uh, okay. I do think Boston's goaltending 
is good enough and the perfection line is alive and well that they can force a game seven. I think Carolina will take game five yep. uh, at home and then we'll go back to Boston. Boston, by the skin of their teeth, will force game seven. And then game seven, anything happens. And I yep. can see a world now because they don't have, uh, because the Canes don't have Anderson or Ranta. If they stick with Kachikov oh. for the rest of the series because they have no choice. I can see a world where Boston prevails in seven, but I'm going to go with the Hurricanes in seven. Although I will say, if Boston wins, the perfection line is going to be the reason why. Yep. Taking a look at Brad Murphy. Oh, I, I just I just want to correct you for one second. Uh, uh, Ranta was actually back for game four. So. Oh, he was. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I still think I still think there is a realm, uh, especially if that injury lingers. Yep. That Boston can prevail in seven. Yep. Okay. Uh, but I'm also taking the Hurricanes in seven even still. Yep. Although yep. I did say Hurricanes in six before. Anyway, <laughs> uh, my point still stands that that yeah. um, their newfound goaltending uh, with the Jeremy Swayman in net, I think that has made a difference and it's reinvigorated some life into this team. The McAvoy stuff is mainly what's holding me back from saying, you know what? Yep. The, the direction of this series has significantly swayed in Boston's favor because they don't have McAvoy and Lindholm's still kind of like not at a hundred percent. That could be that could be pretty big. And even yep. if McAvoy does come back for Game Seven, is he going to be a hundred percent? That's the thing. I uh, would, yeah, had, yeah, that's, that's, that's a fair point, so. right? Because he have he wouldn't be playing for a while. Yeah, I mean, I guess though, but that's my only hope. So. <laughs> Yeah, um, we'll see. The, the, the one thing I'll just point out about Marshawn's stats, he was a minus three, no points, two shots in game yeah. one, one assist on three shots in game two, then three points, goal two assists on one shot in game three, and then you mentioned in his five-point game, he had two goals, three assists on five shots today. Yeah, um, I forget the exact stat, maybe you remember... But I, I was telling you this after game one when Carolina was up, like, that one was, like, uh, like oh, yeah. already was, uh, like, it was something like Carolina is, like, tw- uh, has 25 goals and uh, the Bruins have only scored three goals against Carolina. Um, of course, those those uh, have changed now, but um, but that was absurd that, like, they, the Carol- up to game one, Carolina was, like, tw- had 25 goals um, in like, if you combine the season, uh, games with, uh, the Bruins, um, and the yeah, Bruins like I said, the, those score lines made me convinced that Carolina was going to win the series, but yeah. I didn't re- I didn't realize they were that lost. Right, 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 right. Like that, that's pretty crazy. It is pretty crazy. Uh, but yeah, of course those have changed now, especially now that the Bruins have won two games, uh, so, um, against Carolina, but, um, but yeah, that, that was pretty absurd. All right, now we go to the actual like the most exciting uh, the most exciting um, series we have going on. Uh, it's the New York Rangers and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, this is another one where it's like, uh, yes, the uh, the Rangers have been the hotter team all season, um, but um, but the P- Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, they have way more playoff experience, and you can never count out, like, whenever you have a generational talent on your team, like Sidney Crosby or Ovechkin, um, you can't count them out. So, uh, yeah, the, the Penguins and the Rangers are in it. Um, that series is Pittsburgh leads 2-1. to one. Uh, There was a three-overtime 
game in game one. That's how uh, exciting this this uh, series has been. Um, why am I... Uh, who scored that? I don't have that on me, but um, do you know who scored the OT? Uh, the OT winner, uh, it, it was John Marino initially, but it looked like Malkin had tipped oh, okay. it in. Okay, I'll, I'll check when you start to talk on, on who will... Who actually I would, I would hope it remained that way because my fantasy team right, needs right. points bad. Of course. And I'm, I'm, I knew you were going to say that. Like, I feel like I know <laughs> who's on your team. <laughs> uh, no. Yeah, I've, uh, I've been yeah. pleasantly surprised with uh, how everyone's been performing on the team except for Florida. Right, right, right. <laughs> that, yeah. That's kind of soured me. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, some notable p- players that have been uh, pretty good. I guess we didn't really do this for the Bruins-Carolina series, but... Um, but uh, I, I thought I've been impressed by uh, Andrew Kopp. He has three goals in these three games. However, uh, Chris Kreider, uh, Panarin, and Frank Vetrano, of all people. Yeah, Vetrano's really impressed yeah. me. Yeah, he's, he's been very good. Um, they, they each have four points, uh, so they lead the Rangers in that category. I'm also okay. Also, yeah. the guy, the guy who leads the Rangers in shots on goal, believe it or not, with 18 is Ryan Strome. Yeah, yeah, he's been good too. Uh, K. Andre Miller has two points as well. That he, even though it doesn't seem like it, he's been pretty good. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see. And then as for Pittsburgh, uh, your guy Malkin. Uh, although, yeah, he hasn't actually been that good. <laughs> Sorry, Malkin has two points in three games. Um, and then you have, uh, of course you have Sidney Crosby. Uh, he's been lights out six points, um, in these three games. Um, and then you have, uh, Jake Gensel. Uh, I think that's like a big reason why, um, they've been able to do this because Shashurkin, um, hasn't been able to figure out Jake Gensel and Sidney Crosby. Um, and I, I don't think a lot of teams have been able to do that to be fair, but, uh, yeah, Jake Gensel has four points in these three games. Um, Brian Russ has been good too, four points. Uh, Ev- uh, Evan Rodriguez, he did have a, like a natural hat trick in game three, but I guess they called back a goal. Um, and he, and gave, oh, that's right. They gave a goal to Jeff Carter, but like technically Evan Rodriguez, I think had a hat trick going, a, a natural hat trick. And then I guess they just, <laughs> they, they refused to do that. Um, I guess the, the biggest story though, um, other than the triple overtime um, that happened. But in this series, uh, Shesterkin has also looked pretty human. Um, although, like, you wouldn't tell it from looking at his save percentage. He has a 928 save percentage. Of course, a lot of that has to do with the fact that, like, he saved 78 shots um, in that triple overtime game, uh, which is absurd. And that puts him to... Uh, you probably already know this question. I, I try to give you some trivia questions, but I think you already know this answer. Um, but uh, the only person who did uh, who did had more saves in a playoff debut was um, it was recent history is is um, Corpusalo in that crazy five. And that overtime. game went five yep. overtimes, by the way. Yep. Shishurkin's only went three. Right, right, and and that was like 90, 90 saves or something like that. Um, it was, yeah, uh, yeah high 80s, high uh, 80s. I, was, I think yeah. it was, eight, was it 85? I don't know, for sure. But yeah, that is a good point, though, because, like, Shesterkin played in less minutes, but, like, almost beat out, like, a five-overtime <laughs> goalie like that. But, um, but yeah, anyway, so, uh, so Shesterkin has kind of looked human. 
Um, but like to the point where he uh, he was actually taken out um, in game three, um, and um, and yet yeah, he he's been um, and uh, yeah, Georgiev did look good um, when he was playing because uh, he you know um, but like to the point where the Rangers actually came back um, in game three, but um, it just wasn't enough for the Penguins because they eventually uh, scored. Um, I think that was another OT game, um, but Corpusal stopped eighty-five of eighty-eight. That was correct, oh, wow. by the way. Um, oh no, no, that wasn't an overtime game. But uh, Danden Heinen yeah, scored, was... yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah. and then a few empty netters from Jake Ensel and Jeff Carter. Um, so, um, and, and then, uh, but yeah, that's been the other. That's been a bigger story. And then uh, another big story is that. We didn't even really mention this last week, but Tristan Jari um, has also been injured, just like Freddie Anderson. Um, so you have Casey DeSmith um, playing, but then like in the middle of triple overtime, uh, or I think it, actually no, I think it was in uh, the second overtime. Double overtime. It yeah, was double. Yeah, it was double overtime. Um, the uh, uh, Casey DeSmith actually has to go because he like blew a tendon or something like that. Um, and, and he, has cor- he has core muscle surgery, his yeah. playoffs are done for anyone yeah. who's wondering. And uh, Louis Domingue has been the goalie now, uh, so that <laughs> like so it was, it was crazy too. It's just like just thinking about the fact that like this was his first playoffs too, and he's like put in when it's like triple overtime in game one when like the Penguins are like a huge underdog so it's just like it's crazy that he was just able to like put in i think he stopped 17 shots um in yeah, that in that performance in relief, yeah yeah so th- that that's a little bit absurd but like just uh it is crazy that he was able to do that um and then cold in a double yep. ot game where the offenses are that run and gun as well like that's yeah. that's very tough to do you look at some of the shot totals and you you would think, oh, you know, it's like something casual, like 10 to 5 in, like, the overtime periods. It was just like a typical regulation period. The teams just kept trading bombs left and yeah. right. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it is crazy. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and I was thinking, so the Rangers ended up winning game two pretty handily. Um, and I was just thinking, like, okay, the Rangers have this in the bag. Especially, like, Dominique, he has been shown some some decent goaltending in the past, but not at this level that he needs to be. And so I was just thinking, like, okay, the Rangers have this. Um, they, you know, that was a shame that they lost game one, but they, they, they figured it out. Um, and then, yeah, in game three, they, uh, they kind of messed it up again. Um, I think that's just, like, a sign of, like, what happens when you're a young team like that. Um, but, um, but yeah, at the same time, they, um, the Rangers are, uh, they messed that one up, too. Um, so, uh, yeah, do you have anything, before we get into the predictions, uh, do you have anything else on this series? I will say, on top of getting a relief win and that epic uh, clash with the Rangers in Game 1, the only goaltender to register an assist in these playoffs is Louis Domingue. Yeah, he's yeah. the only one, which is, is which is kind of difficult. It is GAA, by the way, is four point zero three, and he has a two and one record. Whereas Shazirkin is one and one. His GAA is three point two three, but that save percentage nine twenty eight, largely because of that um, 
game one win, or, or that near game one win, I should say. But in that game two, it should be noted that Shazurkin still faced 41 shots and stopped 39 of them. And obviously that first period wasn't terrific, as he, I think, on the first seven shots, there were three goals against. He ended up finishing with 11 saves on 15 shots. So, I mean, I, I like the way the Rangers play. Like, they're a very fun, entertaining team. They have a lot of depth to work with. But as we've documented throughout the season, Brett, they rely a lot on this guy. And eventually, if you get a lot of shots on him, yeah. it's going to burn you. And it, it burned him in game three. It wasn't, I don't think that Shazurkin was playing terrible. It's just that Gerard Gallant was like, okay, I need to rally the troops. Yeah. I need to save this guy for game four because it's probably going to be more of the same where we need him to step up and make saves. So I need to save my bullets for game four yep. and hopefully rally behind Georgiev. And it almost worked, to be fair. True. They tied the game in, in game three, but uh, – yeah, then then they gave up a couple more goals and uh, they ended up uh, falling short against yeah. against Pittsburgh. So, um, yeah, honestly, like this is a sleeper series that I wish I had taken more seriously. This has been probably the most entertaining series out of all of them, just because yeah. of the amount of shots on goal, the amount of talent that's out there, the goaltending duels um, that we've seen, especially in Game One. Um, just right off the hop, I like the energy of this series. Yep. And uh, there, there's, there seems to be plenty of hockey left between these two as well. Uh, it, it's definitely a series I'd like to see go the full distance uh, to go seven. Yeah. So does that mean that you're going to pick? Uh, are you going to pick uh, the the Rangers in seven? You have was the Rangers. Original, and six. I know I You're, picked the Rangers, but what was my original prediction? Your six. original was Rangers and six, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to say Rangers and seven now. Okay. Um, I definitely think Pittsburgh has shown that they can hang with them. But if, if they're going to go with Louis Domingue the rest of the series, eventually the Rangers are going to solve him. Yep. Uh, they have to. Because uh, the memes that will roll the entire offseason if they lose to Louis Domingue and the Pittsburgh yeah. Penguins, they, they would be so, very ruthless. So the good news is that for the, the Penguins is that it looks like Tristan Jari has returned to the ice. He played, he did practice before game three. He didn't play though, but that is uh, something to consider. So we may end up seeing Tristan Jari at the end of the series. I don't know if that played into your hands. Um, yeah, I, I think I also picked the Rangers in six originally. Um, I think I underestimated Sidney Crosby. Um, so, I, I, I don't know. Even though I just said that I, I underestimated Sidney Crosby, I'm going to underestimate him again. I'm going with the Rangers in seven as well. Um, but uh, Just want to take a look at uh, yeah. the Tristan Jerry stat sheet against the Rangers this year. Uh, 2.61 goals against average, 96 save percentage with a shutout. Not terrible. But a one in three record. So the Rangers have had success against them. Although it from those stats, they appear to be pretty tight games they played in, and uh, they've gotten a couple of neat bounces going their way. So we'll see if those neat bounces uh, continue. They're going to have to for Game Four because um, I think it goes without saying the Rangers are in trouble if they drop the next game. Right. Well, I mean that that literally has to be because it would be three to one. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, okay. Uh, so now we go to the, uh, 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 sorry, why am I blanking here? Colorado and Nashville. Uh, this has been, um, this has not, we went from the exciting series to the not so exciting series. Um, yeah, we went from exciting to snoozeville real quick. Right, right. Well, what, what happened was, uh, Colorado like scored four goals in game one. In the first period, um, in like 10 no, minutes. No, it was actually five. It was, it was five, yeah, yeah. Five. It was crazy. They were five nothing after one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, and also uh, Gabriel Landeskog is back. We didn't really talk about that last week, but he is back. He did play three. Uh, he did play in game one. I did see your sheet that you said that uh, you thought that Gabriel Landeskog came back in game three. No, he came back in game one. Yeah. Uh, and he had, four, he had four points in game three. Um, he did have yeah, he one assist. his arrival in yeah. Game Three, is what he officially did. yes. But uh, yeah, he had two goals and two assists. But he had one goal and one assist in Game One, so that puts him at six points. Uh, and Kale McCarr had seven points in three games. Uh, Nathan McKinnon has five points in three games. Uh, that's you know, I I think we we knew that Colorado was going to win the series. I didn't know, and like especially when they didn't have UC Saros. But, um, but I didn't know it was going to be this bad. Um, so, so that's been crazy. They, they have shown some fight, especially in game three, uh, to the point where I actually started watching a bit because I thought like, oh, okay, Nashville maybe has some fight in them. But, um, yeah, it turns out that Colorado is just too good. Um, and they haven't done that. Uh, Connor, Connor Ingram, um, has actually looked pretty pretty decent um believe it or not he has a 919 save percentage uh, of course he he has given up 10 goals but yeah and he has a 3.5 gaa but still like decent considering how good colorado is um like i wonder if he's going to be the backup when uh uc saros is healthy instead of david riddick uh david riddick has not looked good uh, he has a 615 save percentage believe it or not and 19.91 gaa that's absurd, um, but yeah, I, I think if that's any uh, telltale sign, I, I would imagine Connor Ingram will get more of a backup role next season. Um, I guess uh, that's it. Oh, the other thing is, is um, it looks like Kemper might be injured, um, but I still think Colorado has this because Frank Hoos is not a bad backup, um, so I would be shocked um, if that's going to be the case. Um, I, so I have Colorado in five. I might bump it up to Colorado in four. Um, yeah, fuck it. Let, let, let's, let's bump it up to Colorado in four. Do you have Colorado in four as well? I think you had Colorado in five as well. Um, I'm going to stick with Colorado in five because Nashville has put plenty of pride. I don't think they're going to roll over and die in four games. Yep. And I think they will even keep it close in game five, but... Yeah, Colorado's too tough to go up against Nashville. I'd be shocked if it gets to game six. Okay. Colorado's taking this real quick. And I will uh, mention that I predicted if this series did end in a sweep, that Nashville would get seven goals. Currently, after three games, they have six. And I will all uh, give a shout-out to Matthew Shane, who has three of those six goals. Yeah, yeah, he's uh... – yeah, it's it's been interesting. Like he had a great, like a bad season last year, but he's had a good bounce back. So that, that's been nice. Um, 
So now we go to Minnesota. I, I assume you don't have anything else on this uh, on the series. No, no. We we speed run this real quick. <laughs> on to the next one. Yeah. Uh, the uh, so this is another. This is the second series that has um, that's actually playing right now. Um, it's actually um, three to one St. Louis right now. Um, so so that's been fun. Or that's been interesting. It should be noted that also that the shots are twenty six to ten for the Blues. So yep. Bennington, uh, by the way, Jordan Bennington starting in this right. game. Bennington has barely faced anything. Yep, yep. Um, so yeah, that that's been crazy. Um, but yeah, uh, so so uh, since the game has started, I don't have those stats just yet. But Huso, uh, uh, he did shut out the uh, Minnesota Wild in the first game. Um, and then, uh, and then he kind of, uh, was very inconsistent in game two and game three. I guess that's bad enough to that they go out and put in the Mr. Never Nervous guy. When, uh, <laughs> when you mentioned that to me, Steve, in an email, I was just like, oh, right. I forgot he says that he, he never gets nervous or whatever, which is yeah. just absurd. But, um, but yeah, so, uh, I guess so far he's, he's been proven that that's true because, uh, St. Louis is up uh, three to one right now. Um, who knows what, what's going to happen in Game Four? But um, it should it should be noted by the way that out of those ten shots, Kirill Kaprizov has had four of them and yep. he scored the only goal for Minnesota. Right. So um, he, he's he's shown up at least. Um, yeah, the the thing I up for the most part has been uh, has been uh, ineffective. Their offense has been fairly ineffective. Yeah. yeah. Also. The Blues do not have Tory Krug for Game Four right. and beyond that quite some time. So yep. the fact that they're down a defenseman and they've limited Minnesota to their chances so far uh, to this point, they're late in the second period right now. Um, they're they're playing as good a Game Four as they can right now. Yep. A thing I've noticed though um, is that uh, Scott Barunovic got an assist on one of those shots. So I imagine that's like the Tory Krug replacement. So. That could yeah. be, um, speaking of which, I, I think Tory Krug made his, like, breakout or, like, when everyone started to pay attention to Tory Krug was during the, the playoffs against the Rangers. Um, and um, the one that made, uh, I don't know, that was, uh, is that a different series? I was going to say, I think that was the one that made Charlie McAvoy tweet out that he hated the Bruins, but I think that was an earlier series. Uh, which would be kind of funny, because it's like Tory Krug, like, you know, Charlie McAvoy replaced Tory Krug in Boston, but... Um, well, and they were teammates for a brief yeah. period, too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's just funny that he, uh, if if that was a series, but I, I don't know. Let me see if I can do the math. That was in 2013, uh, so Charlie McAvoy, he was drafted in 2016. So yeah, I guess that, that could happen. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that is the series. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, I would be, it would be interesting if Scott Perunovic like holds his own. I, I have the game on in the background, so I'm not totally paying attention every now and then, but I am curious to see how Scott Perunovic does. Uh, we've talked about Scott Perunovic in the past, but he's, he's one of the bigger, uh, prospects or defenseman prospects, um, and he he's always been injured for the last two years. So I'd be curious to see how he does on this stage. Um, I am also noticing that Jordan Cairo has uh, two goals in this game. Uh, he has three goals overall. So that's um, it. Looks like uh, Jordan Cairo is back. He's been kind of quiet the last couple of months, 
Uh, so that's nice to see that he um, he has figured something out. Um, and then on Minnesota side, of course, you mentioned uh, Kaprizov. Um, so I'm not like this. The the stat board that I'm looking at does not count these um, this this game that's going on right now. So keep that in mind. But Kaprizov has five points in these three games. Uh, Joel Erickson Eck has five points in three games. Um, and then you have Ryan Hartman has four points. Zuccarello has three. Uh, Brodeen has three points. He's not usually a scorer, so that's interesting. Um, a reminder, by the way, that uh, Minnesota was shut out completely in game one. 37 yep. saves shut up for Billy Uso. So this is essentially games two and three, the yep. stat lines. Yep. Uh, yeah, no, that's a good point. I guess that like that is like a thing to note because it's like that is really like the summary of what's going on in this series is game two game three was pretty much all minnesota game one was uh pretty much all st louis um what i do find interesting though is mark andre Fleury. he's been in net um he has a 2.34 gaa and a save percentage of 926 but what i'm curious about is that like cam talbot hasn't been like he's been playing better than mark andre Fleury. Um, has been so I wonder if like let's say this game ends up being 3-1 St. Louis um, and the series is tied I do wonder when do they go to Cam Talbot um, but um, but we'll see um, I honestly yeah. like the reason they went to Jordan Bennington isn't because the ramifications of this series um, it was to a couple of factors Craig Berube, the coach of the Blues, for one thing, said he didn't really like the amount of defensive breakdowns in front of Billy Huso. Um, so he was defending his goalie in that regard. However, in game two, the Minnesota Wilds scored on their first shot, and they scored twice on their first three shots very early in game two. And in game three, they did the exact same thing. At some point, you have to make a change to try to reverse momentum, whether it's on Billy Huso or not. So I think that largely plays into that decision. Game one, Fleury played his, uh, tried his best, in, in my opinion. That loss wasn't on him. And when your team's getting upshot 26 to 10 and you're keeping them in the game, I don't really see a reason to take Fleury out. Um, if it's really giving... Because he's not really giving the St. Louis Blues any momentum. Like, he's holding the four for Minnesota at the moment. Billy Huso in games two and three, regardless of his best intentions to keep him off the score sheet, Minnesota was, uh, they just kept on trucking. They yeah. got a couple of goals on them, and they just kept going. So at that point, I feel Berube had to make a change. I don't see the same situation unfolding with Flurry, even if it's 2-2. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's totally fair. Um... So, let's see here. You have uh, Minnesota in seven. I have Minnesota in six. Um, do you want to change your pick? I'm going to stick with Minnesota in seven. I think it will take seven games. I do think Minnesota prevails. And that part where I said, if Billy Uso struggles and they go to Bennington, what happens? Just, just watch. Just watch. You'll see. Yeah, I'm. I'm also going to say Minnesota in six. Um, I'm going to keep my pick just because I feel like I don't know. I feel like that's cheating a little bit because we usually like the only reason why you would change your pick. I, I feel like for integrity reasons is just like if there's like an injury or things you didn't yeah. consider. 
So, um, there is, I mean, Tory Krug being injured, I guess that would make me even want to pick Minnesota. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I, I, I think Minnesota, I'm going to pick Minnesota in six. Uh, By the uh, way, before we go on to the next series, to get back on the Tory Crew versus Rangers that uh, made uh, Charlie McAvoy want to rage quit Twitter, probably. Yeah. Uh, he had four goals, one assist in those five games against the Rangers in May of 2013. That was the year the Bruins went to the Cup Finals and ultimately came up short against Chicago. Uh, in that series, Tory Krug had. 16 shots on goal and scored on four of those 16 and the highest average TOI that he had in that in that, in a single game in that series was game three when he had 1808 the others were around 15 to 16 minutes uh game two he only played 1256 so for a defenseman that's a pretty low ice time and he still did a lot of damage so yeah he, he was pretty good yeah uh, so now we go to Calgary, Dallas. This has been a like an actually a pretty underrated series. Um, I, yeah. I think um, I think a lot of the parts that or the reasons why people aren't paying attention to it as much is well, it's like these are two teams that don't get a ton of attention, even though Calgary should be getting more attention because they were really good this year. Um, but this is a yeah. The, I mean, Dallas. I was going to compare it to like the Florida, Washington, and Rangers. Pittsburgh one, but I feel like this one's different just because Dallas doesn't really have a ton of playoff experience either, although they did make it that cup uh, uh, cup finals um, two years ago, but I don't know if that's like the same thing as like winning a cup like Washington and Pittsburgh have, but either, and, and not to mention the fact that like that cup team did not have Jake Ettinger, uh, Jason Robertson, or like Rupe Hintz in a, in a big role, so um so that it's like a very different team compared to like you can make a good case that like the Stanley Cup teams that Pittsburgh and Washington have are more or less the same. But uh, Dallas has kind of changed their team a little bit. Um, not to mention the fact that like Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn um, haven't been as good as they used to be. So um, anyways, uh, Dallas is up 2-1. Um, and this has uh, and yeah, they've. Uh, I think this a lot of it has to do with how and they've uh, Dallas has managed to like stop Calgary um, for the most part. Um, I, I did see this stat uh, that was absurd to me, and I didn't even realize that this is like this has happened, and it's just crazy. Uh, but Miro Heiskanen. So this is according to Dmitry Filipovich. Uh, he's uh, a hockey analyst. Um, I think he, he's very into like hockey analysts and stuff like that. But a very damn good hockey analyst. Yeah. We've uh, cited a lot of his gym yeah. stats uh, yeah. a lot on the program over the years. So right. he knows his stuff. A great follow on Twitter. Yeah. He, he also has some comedy gold on there too. So if yeah, you he's want a funny like dude. your tweets as well, he can deliver there too. Yep, he's a funny dude. Um, yeah. Anyways, uh, so he uh, he said that Miro Heiskanen has played 78 minutes in this series so far, and the Stars haven't given up a single goal in that time. Um, yeah. So uh, that that's a lot. That's basically, if I'm doing my math, that's like 20 minutes every game, if, if, or roughly 20 minutes every game. Uh, I guess that would be, yeah, 80 divided by 3. Wait, that's... No, no, <laughs> that's like 25. 
Um, I can't do math. He's averaged 26 like... minutes uh, okay. per contest in this series so far. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, uh, given that stat, you'd think his plus minus would be crazy, but because of the lack of yeah. goal scoring that we've seen, That's only true. plus two. Yeah, yeah. Because, uh, yeah, right, that, that makes sense. Because what happened was uh, Calgary shut out Dallas in the first game, one nothing. Yeah. Then mm-hmm. Dallas shut out Calgary, 2 nothing, And yeah. then uh, the third game was a, a barn burner, uh, no pun intended, but uh, four, it was 4-2 uh, Dallas. Um, so, so, yeah, I, I think that has more to do with it. But, um, but that's still an impressive, uh, impressive stat. Nonetheless, and of course, that means that um, Edinger has only given up three goals um, in this series. So that's that's not too bad. He has a 969 save percentage and a 101 GAA. So yeah, he's been pretty good. He might he might do like I guess it's also very early, but he might pull a Jordan Binnington 2019 uh, run. I could see that happening as well. Um, but, um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's kind of crazy. It's, um, it's interesting too, because when you look at these, like the skater stats, uh, Kachuk, Lindholm, and Gaudreau each have two points in these three games. They all, have, I mean, and they lead, um, and then the other points, uh, right now are Lucic, Zadorov, and Trevor Lewis for Calgary. Um, so Tyler Toffoli needs to pick it up. There's a reason why they got him. Andrew Mangiapane needs to show up. Um, the, uh, like, uh, Blake Coleman, uh, Kelly Yarncock, who they got. Um, this uh, Rasmus Anderson. Like, just pretty much the whole team needs to show up. Not just Kachuk, Lindholm, and Gaudreau. Um, but, like, this might be, like, the Florida Panthers of the West if they aren't careful. Or, I mean, if it isn't already. Um, and yeah, Markstrom has also been pretty good, uh, to, to his credit, 942 save percentage and a 1.36 GAA. I think the story is pretty much how Jake Edinger has been able to stop, um, uh, the Calgary Flames, uh, cause the Cal- Calgary Flames have had one of the hottest offenses, uh, this season, but, um, it doesn't look like it in these three games. Um, I, I think this is actually going to like changed my prediction so much that I, I'm actually going to sway because I think I had Calgary. Let me see here. I had Calgary in six. You had Calgary in seven. Um, I think this is going to sway me to say Dallas in, in seven. Mm, interesting. By the way, Amir Heiskanen and uh, Jake Edinger also on my fantasy team. Yeah. I wish their stats counted for more, but they're on my fantasy team nonetheless. Um, you know what really strikes me about this series, Brett, is that uh, it's happening again for Calgary. Remember Johnny Gaudreau's career season in 2018-2019, and they were heavily favored against the wild card Colorado Avalanche. And then for whatever reason, they just let a lot of shots get to Mike Smith, and they take game one, and then they lose four straight and lose the series in five games. Yep. Their offense went away. And you know what? I thought it wouldn't happen again. And guess what? So far, after three games, their offense has gone away again with Daryl Sutter as their coach this time. Right. Uh, In 2018-19, by the way, uh, should be noted uh, for the record, Matthew Kachuk 
had his first big season. 34 goals, 77 points in 80 games, 207 shots on goal, a respectable 16.4 shooting percentage. Uh, even got 24 power play points and 11 power play goals to go with that. And uh, then the playoffs roll around for uh, Matthew Kachuk. And uh, in 2018-19, in those five games, he had two goals, uh, which both occurred on the same night, and one assist. And uh, I think for three games, he was held completely pointless uh, on the scoreboard. And then you look at uh, Johnny Gaudreau, and again, probably his best career season to date in 2018-19, he was nullified by the Colorado Avalanche, and... Two assists in three games, I feel, is a bit underwhelming for him. So, again, another career season for Johnny Gaudreau, but in the playoffs, where's the offense? It just boggles my mind how, and I get Dallas is a good defensive team, but, like, it's not like the Dallas Stars are Calgary's kryptonite. Right, right. They, They can find a way to turn it up offensively, especially with all of their offensive depth. They're picking the worst possible time to go on a cold streak. That being said, while I do think Pavelski and his captain clutch abilities, he's got two game winners already for the Stars. So basically both of the games that won off his stick, yep. he scored three goals in three games, only taken six shots. What can you say about the dude? The the bigger the he's game, the better unreal. he plays, no matter how old he gets. He's unreal. But, but at the same time, I think... I still take Calgary in seven. I expected it to be a tight series. Um, I was going to give Dallas and their defense the benefit of the doubt, and they would steal a couple of games from Calgary. Um, they have, in a way. Cal- Calgary, better, Calgary better tie the series fast or they're in trouble. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would be. I, I mentioned the Calgary's low scoring stuff, but you kind of hit the nail already when you mentioned Joe Pavelski. Uh, he leads the Dallas Stars in points with three of them. He has three goals. Um, but then, other than that, they haven't been that impressive. Um, I think that just means that more shows just how low scoring this series has been. Um, yeah, but, um, but like you would expect that, like, okay, Dallas is leading the series two to one. That must mean that, uh, Jason Robertson and Rupe Hints, um, have a lot of points or are leading the team in points. And uh, they each have one point. Um, Tyler Sagan has one point. Um, of course, he's not as good as he used to be. Um, I don't even think Jamie... Yeah, Jamie Ben doesn't even have any points. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so it's like Miro Heiskanen and Yanni Hockenpah. Uh, of course, everyone knew, as everyone expected, Yanni Hockenpah had more points than Jason Robertson. Um, that's, that's what we all expected. Uh, they both have two assists. Uh, Hawk and Pot and Heisman. But, uh, yeah, I, I guess that's just uh, how they go. But, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, Take, taking a look at, by the way, at uh, the uh, shot totals, 26-16 to 16 for Calgary in the first game where they won 1-0. 29-23 uh, to 23 Calgary where they lost 2-0. And then 41-32 to 32 for Calgary, which uh, they lost 4-2 in that game. Again, when I was talking about uh, the Calgary-Boston power play as well as, or uh, sorry, the Carolina-Boston power plays as well as um, uh, Florida's inability to capitalize on the power play, I did quickly mention Calgary's stat line. On the main advantage, they are 1-for-12 in this series through three games. Yeah. Um, 
All right, so now we go to Edmonton, LA. Uh, they will be, this is another series that's, or they're going to play game four after we record. So uh, just keep that in mind that we're only talking about game, uh, games one, two, and three. Um, but yeah, this is another series where it's like the first three games, or the first, the first game does not uh, show what's going on in the second, two, uh, the other two games. In the first game, um, LA takes an early lead, um, and then it seems like Edmonton comes back, but then, um, but then uh, Mike Smith makes a gaffe where he like plays the puck, and then uh, Philip Deneau steals it, um, and then they, the LA Kings ends up winning the whole game. Um, but it's, um, and you know, I, I think after that game, I was thinking like. Oh, this is this like Florida when like Florida ruins like 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 I I figured that goaltending was going to be Edmonton's downfall just like Florida's was, and I thought like did I guess that like a round too early or something like that? But turns out that uh, that's not the case, um, and um, and yeah, and then all, all of a sudden, uh, Connor McDavid and uh, Leon Draisaitl they they figure things out. Uh, who would have got, thought? Um, not only that, but, um, so, so McDavid has six points, um, and Drysdale has four points, but, um, Evander Kane has six points as well, five goals, uh, that's absurd, um, a lot of them, of course, were assisted by Connor McDavid, um, also to mention Ryan Nugent Hopkins, he's, he's looked good too, he had like three points, um, in game three. Um, but like they were kind of garbage time goals. Um, so that, that was interesting, but yeah, he has four points in three games. Uh, so it, it is interesting cause like, you know, if Edmonton's going to go far, it's not just Mike Smith needs to be like, like average or decent, but like, you know, the depth scoring also needs to pick up the pace as well. So it's, it's not like, you know, it's expected that McDavid and Drysdale are going to figure stuff out eventually like you can't really stop those guys but like if you can get Ryan Eugene Hopkins going if you can get Kaliori Yamamoto Darnell Nurse um, Evan Bouchard who has five points uh, Vander Kane as I just mentioned Zach Hyman like if you guys can if, if they can get these those guys going then yeah the Oilers are going to be um, a pretty scary team um, in, in this in this whole case so um yeah. Um, what do you have on the series? Well, I speaking of Evander Kane, I didn't realize his numbers were this good, Brett. I know he plays on the Oilers and they have McDavid and Drysdale, but 22 goals, 39 points in 43 games during the regular season on 152 shots. So that's around 15%. To uh, be fair, I would, I would also be pretty good on uh, Connor <laughs> McDavid's line. But yes, yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I just casually waltzed my way towards the yeah. blue line. Just, just stay uh, by the goal the entire time. I mean, it would take me 15 seconds to get into the attacking zone. Right, right, exactly. Just put a weak <laughs> shot on, and that's enough. Yeah, just that's enough to get a point. I, I can barely skate, but all I would need to do is just go to the goal line. Just, just go wait. to the goal, tip it to McDavid, yeah. and then you'll just one-time it. And just hope he goes <laughs> there, yeah. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> as we digress. Yeah, yeah uh, Evander Kane has actually led the team in scoring with five goals and six points, 17 shots also uh, leading the team there. Um, so, yeah, 
Evander Kane leading the way in terms of the depth department. Evan Bouchard, I liked his game too. Uh, uh, Zach Hyman, three points in three games also isn't bad. Uh, Mike Smith just needs to make timely saves. That's all he needs to do. I, I think the Oilers on paper have the capability of beating the LA Kings. They've shown that in games two and three after losing game one in the fashion that they did. They only outscored the Kings 14-2 to in games two and three combined, and that emphatic 8-2 to win in L.A. was basically a sign that, um, that, that Edmonton's offense had finally woken. Uh, now they need to keep that going in game four. I feel like the L.A. Kings' best shot of disrupting the Edmonton Oilers, and I feel this is a cliche phrase, but whatever, just don't let them get on a roll early in the game. I feel that they're like the Gretzky Oilers, where like if Wayne Gretzky gets going early in the game, he gets a couple of breaks. Look out, he's gonna he's gonna have a bare night. If they allow the Edmonton Oilers to get any kind of momentum early in the hockey game, and the Edmonton Oilers go up by four or five goals, I think that's enough for them to at least hang on by a couple of goals and win the game. If you keep it close. That's where you get a chance to strike. The longer it goes, the longer the Kings are in it, I, the more I like their chances. I still think the Kings are going to win this in seven, largely because um, Edmonton's really given me a lot of reasons to doubt them over the past couple of years in the playoffs. Yep. I still think there are some gaping holes that can be exposed there. Um, I will say it's good game and good luck to the Kings if they lose game four. Because I don't think they pull off three straight wins against the Oilers if they go down three-one. Yeah, that's totally fair. Um, I have, yeah, I, I, I had it, uh, Edmonton in six. I'm gonna keep it at that as well. So, mm-hmm. uh, and yeah, I'm looking pretty good so far on, on that prediction. <laughs> um, all right, I think that about does it for us here. Believe it or not. Um, so next week we'll probably have some obituaries and previews for the next yeah, series. Yeah, Nashville will probably be the first one on the list. Yeah, probably, <laughs> probably. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is exciting because like all like yes, we have the Calgary Nashville one or Colorado Nashville one, but like pretty much I could see like the other the other seven series going either way. Like they're they're so close to each other. Um, but like yeah, so so they've they've all been good. This has been fun, just watching uh, this all. So, um, I I just hope that they all go to Game Seven except for the Bruins. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's definitely exciting um, hockey nonetheless. Even if that doesn't. Uh, by the way, before we go, um, I know it's probably going to be over, and so this is redundant for everyone who's listening to this. It is still 3-1 to one St. Louis after two. Again, if St. Louis wins, series tied at two. If Minnesota wins, they go to they go back home up 3-1. to one. There are still 26 shots against Marc-Andre Fleury, and he stopped 23 of them, so it's still a tight game. At the time we last updated you, Jordan Bennington only faced 10 shots. He has now faced 18 after two periods, which means in the final six or so minutes... The Minnesota Wild got uh, the final eight shots of the second period. So the good news is Jordan Bennington is holding his own in there. The bad news is Minnesota's offense is starting to wake up and they're starting to get something going. So we'll see how the third period ends and uh, how uh, 
the conclusion of Game Four uh, alters the series. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be funny because like now all of a sudden Minnesota's yeah. like scoring again. It'll be one hundred percent redundant, but yeah. just just keep that in mind uh, when you look at the final box score. Um, yep. How how the game kind of sort of changed. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so uh, that that does do it for us here. Uh, enjoy. I hope you guys are enjoying the playoffs as much as I am and Steve is. Um, but uh, anyways, uh, that's it. Uh, you can watch uh, or listen. You can. You, you can't watch us. Uh, you can listen yeah, to us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, you can listen to us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify, wherever else or wherever else you get your podcast. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Lisa Podcast. Um, and we're also on Facebook at Lace Them Up. Um, you, that's about it. I'm Brett Dubuff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode 320 of the Lace Them Up podcast.